George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. Tonight, I actually have a guest. Keep me in line, keep me in check, and actually keep the content interesting. It's Ray G, Ray GQ on Twitter at Ray GQ. He is the host of the DLF Devi podcast. Is there a better name for it, Ray, or is it just the DLF Devi podcast? I mean, I could go with that, but it's uh, it's the DDP, the Destination Devi, where it's Destination Devi. D- DDP. So Come on. Sorry, man. I'm, I'm not. I'm not very bright. <laughs> lies, lies. And he's also the newest member. <laughs> the newest member, I think, of the um, DLF Blueprint, uh, Dynasty Blueprint show. So check him out on both of those. Also check him out on Twitter at RayGQ. You're a Devi expert, right? Uh, expert is a uh, very high praise, but I, I do dabble and participate in the Devi world of fantasy football. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, what does Devi mean? Like I say it like everyone else, like I know what it means, but I don't know why it's called Devi. Devi just means like yeah, collection. yeah, developmental. De- De- Scott Fish came up with this, I believe he's the uh, the OG of the Devi community. So Devi developmental college guys, uh, you could draft high school guys onto your roster. I uh, think anything before that is a little, um, you know, I don't go that far. But, you know, high school, senior and high school, stuff like that. So anybody who's not playing professional football for the most part. So this is kind of your time of year, right? Yeah, it's um, it's a fun time. You know, while everybody is talking 2020 rookies and getting ready for that, and I'm sure, you know, you're doing a lot of gearing up for that. I'm looking ahead to 2021 and, and trying to figure out where Zach Evans is going to sign his national letter of intent and go play college for. And he won't even be eligible until 2023. So it's a weird kind of thing where stay ahead of the curve a little bit. I was going to say, like, who? <laughs> like, I barely know these guys now. Uh, so let's, let's let's calm down on the 2023 class. Um, let's just put that out there. The draft picks aren't worth it just yet. Trade for those trade <laughs> for those um, twenty twenty three picks right now, Peter. I'm grateful for you to come on. I really need someone to talk me through this class a little bit. Like I've been throwing cold water on it just because it's been so hyped for so long, um, that it has to be overrated, almost has to be. And yet digging in, I'm seeing a few prospects that I actually uh, I like a lot. We've been trying to talk about them, but I need someone to you know that's been looking at them a little longer than I have. So, um, like where do you want to start? Wide receiver is probably where I'm most most up to date um do you want to talk about well first what like with this is a crossroad so are you a film or are you a tape guy you can only be one or the other just just let you know that's that's <laughs> like the official twitter rule um uh what's your process on these players what would you look at yeah uh i would consider myself a film tape guy since i can only pick one side of the coin but i appreciate 
the numbers <laughs> and the analytics, and I do not ignore them, right? I know you said it a couple of episodes ago. We sort of act like we don't use all the information available to us when we really do, you know? And I know my... Um, I know my capabilities and my limitations, so I rely on smart people like you and Jesse Reeves and everybody else out there who uh, knows how to open up an Excel spreadsheet and put formulas into cells to provide me that analytical data, and uh, I trust uh, some of my processes with the tape, and to be honest with you, anybody who says that they evaluate and scout every single prospect is a freaking lie. I mean, you just, there are too many college games on every Saturday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday to, to human to do that. So uh, process is I watch the games on Saturdays. If somebody pops on tape or if they've got a high uh, recruiting profile coming out of high school, I pay more attention to those guys and try to uh, rewatch the tape and, and dig into what I like about those players and try to do my best to, to track them and, and, and watch how they progress. And then I see what you say, if they're good or bad, and then I will agree or disagree and go from there. I, I have no memory or recollection of anything that you just said. Like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, all I heard was that you hate nerds and spreadsheets and everyone who likes numbers. Like I, 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 I don't recognize that I ever said that, but yeah, I think, Thanks. It's good to have a tape guy back on the podcast <laughs> to, to argue with. Um, so, all right, you must watch tape and throw rocks at nerds whenever you see them on the yep. street. Got it. Who do you like at wide receiver? Let's just start. Like, I'm, I'm done with pretending I'm a podcast host. Like, who are your top six? Who Who's your top guy at wide receiver in this uh, class? And is he Calvin Johnson? <sighs> Because that's what I was promised for the last two years. Well, unfortunately, he's not Calvin Johnson, but he's got a chance to be pretty doggone good. So for me, uh, my number one guy is CeeDee Lamb, uh, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, Jalen Rager, wide receiver from TCU, I've got him second. Jerry Judy, Alabama third. T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson, uh, fourth. And then who do I have fifth? I think it might be uh, a guy that you like, Peter. It may be. I'll tell you right now. Who does Ray have? Oh, I don't like it. Well, actually, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got <laughs> Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU, fifth, and then Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver out of Alabama, sixth. That's my top six right now. Okay, lots of things we can fight about there. Um, at first, I'd like to put it on the record. I'm very upset after trading away all my players for 2020 picks um, in 2018. I'm very upset the Devi community is now reversing course and saying these guys are not Kevin Johnson. I'd just like to be on the record. There. Um, which is a better wide receiver class, this one or next year, Devi fella? Uh, next year. Because I've heard that too. Like, actually, it's not. It's not this year. It's next year. I mean, like, it's always man, next year. It's like it's always one year away. Like, if I was a, if, if I was paranoid, you know, I might think it's always one year. It's. Sure. Um, what do you like about your top fella there? Uh, his he. I mean, he produced. I know he produced early. He produced as a true freshman. And he did that with uh, Baker Mayfield at quarterback, with Marquise Hollywood Brown opposite of him. He was able to produce right away as a true freshman, and then he came back as a sophomore and put up even better numbers, again, with uh, a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. But Hollywood Brown opposite of him, he did not uh, shy away from competition. He was not a product of uh, too much offense around him. And then this past season, as the guy, as his junior season, uh, he did it once again. Was extra, was ultra efficient, 
another mega producer, ball tracking skills, playmaking ability. Uh, I would like to see him be a little bit heavier than what he's listed as, but he definitely has the frame. I've posted some pretty, uh, some pretty provocative uh, gifs or gifs, however you pronounce it, of CeeDee Lamb on my Twitter feed. Uh, he definitely has the frame to to fill out and add some more weight. But just from a, a playmaker standpoint, the way that he can separate his body control and ball tracking ability is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I don't know what any of that means, but it sounded, it sounded nice. It sounded, it sounded um, what's the word here? It sounded comforting that this guy can do all these things. I don't know really what they are since I don't watch football, obviously. Um, CeeDee Lamb looks like a really good prospect, though. I don't think I disagree with anything other than his weight is listed right now as NA because obviously the only database that exists is my own <laughs> and I don't have combine data yet, so I have no idea how big he is. Um, how, how accurate do you think you are or think we can be about that idea they can take on more weight? I think it's... Yeah, I think it's... Uh, that is... Uh, it's... And I, and I speak from from a person who did happen to play a little bit of collegiate football, right? It's it's you will gain weight and you will lose weight. Your weight fluctuates. These guys come into training camp at you know two hundred and thirty pounds, and through the course of training camp, they drop weight. And they end up putting on weight. I, I'm not concerned about C.D. Lamb, and I, I know we won't get accurate numbers until the combine. But I le- believe he was listed at either one ninety two or one ninety five. To put on, an, if he's 195, to put on another five or six pounds, that that's something that I have I have full confidence in, and I can't give you any magical data points of how that's possible besides hitting the freaking weight and working out and eating food. Which, if you work out and eat food and take supplements, you will gain weight. Heard it here first, Jim. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> no, it's just interesting. But yeah, I like CD Lamp plenty, so I don't really have. Any problem with what you say? He broke out at nineteen. He didn't produce in his first year. Um, he was eighteen when he played his first year. He, he was slightly under the average of successful NFL prospects as an age eighteen-year-old. But that's it's a really hard barrier to cross, and it's not like you have to cross it to be great. Um, and, and he overproduced the average, and that's only of successful players. And plenty of successful players come under that mm-hmm. average. Um, but he was definitely of the average age, he was 19 and 20. I like that he's got this typical career arc. Him and um, Jalen Rago both played from 18 to 20, which is ideally when they had all play, and then declare for the NFL in the fourth year. And speaking of the two guys who don't, though, those are the probably ones I've got most questions about. My top uh, six here are Tyler Johnson, uh, Jalen Rago, mm-hmm. if that's how you say his name, uh, <laughs> Brian Edwards, C.D. Lamb, and Antonio Gandy-Golden, which is already becoming a really fun <laughs> name to say, so I hope he's great. And K.J. Hamler, those are my top six. And I kind of like all of them pretty well, which is upsetting to me since I only like to hate things. Um, but Tyler Johnson and Brian Edwards, I looked at them a little bit last year because we thought they might come out and they decided to go back to school. Like, uh, obviously you don't know them or their coaches or their friends and you're not family friends right. with them or anything. I'm no. assuming, right? J- Jalen Rager, yes. I, Jalen Rager I am friends with, so we can we can definitely talk about him. All yeah. right, cool. All right. I wish I had more questions about him. He, looks, <laughs> he broke out at age 18. He's one of the two in this class, at the top of the class anyway, that broke out at age 18, so I'm going to end up liking them pretty well. But Tyler Johnson and Brian Edwards like stayed in school the next year, and it's not a negative but, you know, lots of people have, you know, 
compare two numbers side by side and act like that's the only way to do analytics. But um, if they come into the NFL a little older, and they'll be like Brian Edwards is actually really young when he started playing, so I wonder if that's why he decided to stay in an extra year. But Tyler Johnson is going to be 22, and lots of people were triggered over that with um, you know Cooper Cup or Kenny Galladay worrying that they were coming in at an older older age, and it's not a bad thing to pay attention to. I just think it's you should more look at what they did in college at earlier ages. I think that's a key in why age sometimes has signaled that way. But um, do you know or do you have any problems with the fact that they stayed in an extra year? They're coming out after four years in college. Like, it's not like running back, we worry they've touched the ball too much. Experience is a good thing. But um, Tyler Johnson specifically, because he's, he's coming an extra year older now, and... What happened this year, because he was dominating that offense, and it just slowly fell off through his career. Like, why did he become less of a future? Yeah, I am not concerned about the wide receivers who stay until their senior year. Tyler Johnson, no concern with. Brian Edwards, no concern with. And I'm just going to say this, and this has nothing to do with film, nothing to do with analytics. We assume, as the dynasty fantasy football community, that these guys, if you're good and you're a producer— you should come out after your junior year. Like, that's that's it. We just assume that. But the reality is, uh, you don't. we don't know what these guys have going on in their personal lives, their personal situations, to make them make these decisions to go back to school. So I'm not going to assume that it has anything to do, uh, to make the assumption that it has to all do with football, to me, is a little disingenuous to their situations. You know what, man? Some guys just freaking like college. They like college. They're not pressed for the money. And they want to stay there, even though it's hard for us to comprehend that that's an actual uh, avenue that they can take. It, it is a reality. Some guys just like college. I mean, people are up in arms about Travis Etienne going back to school this year. We don't know his situation. So I'm not knocking a guy who, who produced and it was good. Yeah, I, I'm, I, not, I'm not doing that. I especially don't want to be, you know, I certainly don't judge anyone else's life decisions because mine have all been terrible. <laughs> so that's not something I want to do. Um, and also, to be clear, I don't worry about players if they come in a little older. And I especially don't worry because people will say things like, well, they have a shorter career. It's like, okay. And that just seems ridiculous when we're talking mostly at max three-year windows. Like, they're going to play three years. You're good. But um, just as you know a reference point wide receivers over the last few draft classes that have come in uh 22 or older like tyler johnson's going to um and still done well well in the nfl you've got aj brown was 22 judging by the same date range that i use so was Cortland sutton calvin ridley was 23 kenny galladay was 23 cooper cup was 24 robbie anderson was 23 um michael thomas was 23 tyree kill was 22 when he first recorded a stat in the nfl and Tyler Lockett was 22. Like, 22 is nothing to worry about. I think my... It's not... Yeah, it's a concern. I don't know why his production dropped well, off. Like, I haven't really been able to dig, dig into the team yes. too much. Like, was there someone else on there? Yes. That... They've got another guy that you will be talking about uh, next year, and his name is Rashad Bateman. And he was a true freshman last year. I think he was 18 years old, and... He, uh, I, I don't have his market share numbers in front of me, but 51 receptions, 704 yards last year as a true freshman. And this year, I mean, he had just as many receiving yards as Tyler Johnson on 20-something fewer catches. He had over uh, 1,200 receiving yards, 11 TDs, 60 receptions. And he's, uh, 
He's an absolute stud. He's a top five uh, Debbie wide receiver right now for most consensus. Where do you fall on that? Because that gets us to Henry Ruggs yeah. as well. Because I don't know Bateman yet. I don't have his date of birth. He's I, I have his raw stats, but I don't have his date of birth, so I haven't been able to um, put them in mm-hmm. age order, literally. Um, but And to be clear, Tyler Johnson still produced over the average for a, a 21-year-old um in college like the average is something like uh if i can look it up quickly which i probably can't because i'm terrible at looking up things quickly um but he was seven percent over the average of successful players who played in college at the age of 21 years old so he was still above the age line right but it was a significant decrease and now i think it's fair not just to theorize because i think we actually have data points to suggest that good more good players on the same team means it's harder to dominate market share. Um, you know, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry played on the same team. They were both over the average for all, most of the years they played, and they look really good production-wise. But I assume that if they played separately, they would have been off the charts, right? right? They, they would have been a lot higher. They, they limit each other's ceilings. But players that play on the same team still do really well compared to most other players. Uh, and that's the key for me. Like, Tyler Johnson still did that, and if there's a good reason why it reduced, because there was someone else capping the, the percentage ceiling that he could have because Bateman's really good, that, that makes me feel a little better. But um, the other aspect to it is he's about to go to the NFL where everyone is better than the average player he was playing or competing with for targets or yards on his own team. So, you know, you say Bateman's really good, but did you see anything between the two on the same field that made you think, Tyler could struggle with harder competition because everyone in the NFL is going to be harder competition. I think you're, we'll get the answer to that at the NFL Combine because I do not believe in watching the two on the field side by side, it looked to me, and I know some other people feel the same way, that Bateman was the superior athlete. He looked more explosive. He looked faster. He just looked like a more you know athletic wide receiver opposed to Tyler Johnson, and I'm not trying to knock Uh, TJ, because I'm a fan of his game as well, but I I do think that there is, there's a reason why (laughs) Rashad Bateman produced and was given those opportunities and those looks in 2019, which dipped some of Tyler Johnson's production uh, market share numbers. And, And to be honest with you, I hadn't even looked at what he ended up with at the end of the season until just now. And I was surprised that he still led the team in receptions, yards, and I believe touchdowns, which surprised me a little bit because the eye test looked like Bateman was just that much better. That's good. Is there something about the offense that makes you say athleticism? Because, like, just thinking of people that dominate opportunity at the highest level, the NFL level, um, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen easily have been the two most dominant in targets and yards for their own team over the last few years, and neither of them are great athletes. So is there some reason you think the athleticism led it towards Bateman? Like, is the offense, you know, run down the field and catch more than... Most? That's a good question. I think if we if we had the air yards, uh, the data in front of us, I think Rashad Bateman, I, I, I know he was getting the deep looks. I know if I saw somebody screaming down the field, a lot of the times it was Rashad Bateman. But, I mean, you make a very good point, and I think context has to be included in those situations because Keenan Allen is not the best athlete. I probably can run a faster 40 right now than what Keenan Allen did at his pro day. <laughs> I don't think I can. To be very clear, I don't, think I, I don't think I can do anything any of these guys can do physically. Like, this is not a personal judgment. They're still friggin' Olympians compared to, compared to most people. Um, 
But yeah, Keenan Allen, even DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. are not phenomenal athletes, yeah. you know. And so that makes me wonder, like uh, combine numbers themselves aren't particularly predictive, like over other stuff. Um, I don't weight them as individual things. I do like knowing more about the player. That's always right. always the goal, right? So I do like knowing if they're they the what they do is because of athleticism or not because of athleticism. Um, but like it's it's what they do with what they have that I really care about more than what they actually have, if you know what I mean. So what would you what would you attribute to? So somebody like a Keenan Allen or DeAndre Hopkins, use those as, as examples. Is it their skill and technique? Is the off is it the offensive situation that they fell into? Is it the fact that up until Will Fuller became uh, Houston Texans, DeAndre Hopkins had nobody to compete uh, with for for targets. Keenan Allen, up until Mike Williams, who's barely on the field until this past season. I mean, what attributes to the success of those? Let's just say, when I say inferior, it's relative to the people. We know Keenan Allen is not an inferior athlete, but when you look at Keenan Allen versus Odell Beckham Jr., right? right, right? So what do you think attributes to his right. success? Is it the is it the situation and opportunity? Is it technique? What I mean, what what explains it? Um, I actually just before I get to that, I actually did look up Rashad Bateman here. I don't have his age yet, but I can tell you, um, in his first year, so not last year, but the year before, he had twenty six percent of the team's receptions. He had twenty nine percent of the team's receptions this year. Um, 25% of the receiving yards his first year and 38.8% um, of the team's receiving yards last year. And that already looks good. Unless he's 24, <laughs> he's probably going to look pretty good in models. Um, next year, if he declares, or the year after, when, when, whenever he happens right. to do it. Um, so to go back to your question here, why do certain players dominate um, even though they're not athletes? I think it's because... And again, this is just theories based on the way it's happened. I don't actually know what it's like to be on an NFL field or any football. Well, I've been on football fields, but not like playing. <laughs> I don't know what it's like in the locker room. I don't know what it's like to have that kind of pressure. I know nothing about what it's like to live this life, right? All I can do is make theories based on what has happened in the past. So if they say I'm wrong, that's probably why. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I can tell you the indicators are correct. I just might not accurately describe the path to how they work. Um, so the indicator is that a player who dominates um, is good and dominates opportunity and then therefore dominates in production. So the reason these lower tier athletes still dominate, like Keenan Allen Hopkins, and both did in college as well, by the way, isn't because they're under athletic or because of the nature of the scheme. My conclusion is it's because they're so good at mm -hmm. what they do. Like, neither of them play like Odell Beckham. Neither of them play like each other, either, really. Neither of them play like Tyree Kill, because they have different skill set. But they're so good at playing their skill set that opportunity goes their way and production follows that, right. right? So that's my overall conclusion. It's not... I don't think the athleticism holds them back, even. I think it's... They have to play with what okay. they have. And they're so good at playing the way they do with what they have that opportunity flows to them. Um, and so it's really awkward to think about. And, you, you know, you can look like there are thresholds, like most wide receivers who are good in the NFL run a four five or faster. But, you know, um, I think Hopkins is a great example on Keenan Allen again and Kenny Galladay. They're slightly over the four five barrier. So even the thresholds fail right. us a lot. And running under four three, actually, it should probably be a more terrible metric. Most guys who run under four three don't become Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham. They're just so rare. They've got a great skill, 
and it can be used well in the NFL. It might get opportunity, but you're less likely to be, a, almost less likely to be a dominant player, like John Ross, for example. Now, even that threshold's terrible, because if Odell Beckham ran a 4-2, it doesn't mean you dismiss him, right? So what I mostly find out with those combine stats, it tells me something more about the player, how an NFL offense might like them, might value them, might, how they might play. It might help identify a, a Deshaun Jackson versus, say, a Keenan yeah. Allen. And Keenan Allen is more valuable in PPR right. leagues, right? Um, but mostly, I want to know how much opportunity and production they can produce with the way gotcha. they play. The way they play is interesting. And, you know, some I, I know there's so many people that do this. Some people might be able to use that, uh, and I can't. I, I haven't found a way of using that. Um, that's predictive or that I can hang my hat on and say, therefore, I know they're more likely to be good or bad in the NFL. It's just more interesting data while I'm trying to formulate ranks and who to draft per round, right? Mostly, I want to know how good they are doing what they do with okay. what they have rather than being interested in what they have. But um, th- that's... So are you... So are you, are you, so are you saying being an elite route runner is overrated? <laughs> Uh, I have no idea because <laughs> you guys won't count shit. Like, just count it. <laughs> like, all numbers are accounting tapes. And numbers are actually tape. They're just a translation of it so we can compare. Like, just count shit. But um, mostly what I see, when route running is the argument, this right. guy can just run routes. And that's all they have. If they're underproductive, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. That's the argument. But um, I'm sure it's useful and a skill. If you can go to the NFL, you're probably more likely to get early opportunity. That all makes sense to me, but it doesn't bear out in testing. If what you have is routes, but you've never attracted a lot of production or a lot of opportunity before you get to the NFL, you're probably not going to do it in college as well. So I guess if I was going to make a story around the way that works out, what the identifiers tell us is that route running, I guess, is something you learn. You get better at it. It's like pass catching. It's a skill. It's definitely useful. But you get better. I'd imagine, you know, knowing nothing of what it's like to be on an NFL field or even a college field, I'd imagine all of them have to get better at it, right? You and I are going to get along so well. You and I are going to get one hundred percent agree. I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to count it as a negative that a guy knows how to run routes out of college, right? Like, good. That's right. that's a skill that maybe you don't have to be uh, taught as much at the next level. But I'm not about to, for me personally, I'm not about to just, if the production is there, if the numbers match up, if the tape matches up for me, and you're not as crisp as a Jerry Judy, I'm not I'm not tripping. I'm not worried about that because, like you said, you're being productive with the skill set that you have, and you're finding ways to win and produce with what you've got. So I'm fine with it. All right, let's find something that we won't get All right, with. let's go. <laughs> uh, Henry Ruggs is the one people are you know, ha- owning me on Twitter about. I do not like Henry Ruggs' Why? production. Why? And I know he's on because it's bad. It's just bad. It's but all Peter, bad. he played. He, he played with Jerry. He played. <laughs> he played with terrible. Jerry Judy. Awful. Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, uh, Najee Harris. He played on Alabama. It's hard to. It's hard to command this twenty percent market share threshold when you've got legitimately, let's just say, four draftable wide receivers who will probably I'll be conservative be top three round picks in the NFL draft sure but that's never stopped another player that's been good in the NFL and played on a team with someone else that was good in the NFL like I said Eldo Beckham Jarvis Landry 
they both broke out. We've got examples where there are teams with three players who are good in the NFL, and they still all managed to show up. They at least managed to break out. Henry Ruggs never broke out. Now, breakout threshold is owning 20% of your team's production. Just throw that out quickly. Um, and some people suggest it should be higher, like Rotoviz prefers a 30%, I think. And Henry Ruggs didn't get close to 20%. Like, there's no player I know that we can point to that this player was good in the NFL that didn't break out in college because of competition. So it's not like it doesn't make sense. Like, that makes sense to me, right? If you've got four Jarvis Landrys on the same team, they're going to eat up some of their mm-hmm. ceiling. But the floor should still be there. Okay, so right? my question to you, and I've been waiting... Like, if he was so good, why why couldn't he earn a reception over, you know, the wide receiver five or whatever, whoever wasn't generation? <laughs> okay. And and it's not going to get easier when he gets to the NFL. You've got saying he's got four draftable wide receivers on his team. Great. He's going to go to a team with a wide receiver room full of draftable wide receivers um, who have more experience than him and would... Many of them were better in college, and some are incumbents, and they're already wide receiver ones. Like it's not going to get easier. So I guess before I even say anything else, I, I would ask: when we say, when you say you, 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 your model doesn't particularly care for this player, doesn't like Henry Ruggs, does that mean as a top twelve, top twenty four, top thirty six? What what does that mean? Well, yeah, my model doesn't really do that okay. at this point, where we don't have that much information. I can tell you, he ranks nineteenth um, in this class. Um, and is the score he gets from that model, which is just basically meant to describe how productive they are compared to past good prospects. Um, it, it wouldn't. It, there's no draft class he would have come in in the top ten with. Like this, this you know, I guess Jerome Brown, just name out of a hat, someone else I knew also knows in a contested situation. It did show some skill in the NFL, but we constantly heard that idea that he was good but he was always crowded out but i mean he was just always crowded out in the nfl as well okay um like i don't think he'll ever have a top 24 season if you want me to put a cap on it just from what i know right now and what else what what else would you need to know in order to adjust that stance if he gets drafted in the first round how much does that change how you view him wow what a really good question by ray huh probably wondering why you're not hearing my answer to such a really good question um we talked for about two hours i really enjoyed talking to ray he's he's really knowledgeable about football he's an excellent person to talk to about it um and i don't want to cut all of it i know normally i try and trim episodes down to 30 minutes because i really do like the 30 minute format we've got on the crossroads that smaller type of podcast um, and so what I'm going to do is cut this episode into parts. Um, this is part one, part two's coming up. We might even have part three. We'll see how much of my own voice I cut out. Um, I'm not going to do the, you know, I'm not giving myself a week off here. I'm going to release them all around the same time. So you can listen to them back to back. Um, but I just really want to keep up that 30 minute format. Um, we'll start the next episode right where I just left off. Um, talking about Henry Ruggs and how I and he both view players who had stiffer competition on their college teams. Um, So thanks for coming to the Crossroads. Really appreciate it. Um, I'd like to thank Ray. I'm going to do that again later, obviously, but I'd like to do it again in this one too. Um, And I will catch you on part two just whenever you decide to click play, really. Thanks very much. Bye.
Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical.